0: Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Robin. Thank you for having me. I'm great.
1: Yeah, How fantastic. Very good. Thank you. Uh, really excited to get the author of a paper on the show today. And you are one of the authors on the paper, Vision Transformers with Satellite Image Time Series. Do you mind telling me a bit about what that's about?
0: Yeah, so it's basically we are dealing with processing uh, satellite images a time series, which are... Um, it's so like basically like video, but they come from satellites and they have regular timestamps. And uh, what we're doing is we're proposing like an interesting architecture based on the vision transformer, but one that can account with um, with the time series data and the one that has some very interesting structural biases that make it particularly suited to satellite images, basically.
1: Fascinating. And, and, and transformers originally were for natural language processing, so I guess they're good with sequences. So was it an obvious extension to go yes. to time series?
0: Yes. I, I mean, they, they, they were originally proposed for uh, sequences, as you say, but uh, they are better understood like general set uh, predictors, basically. They can they, they don't need like, the input to be particularly a sequence. It can be an, an order set. So um, there were some very interesting applications of these architectures in um, in vision with the vision transformer. Who sees an image basically as a set of uh, patches, uh, so as a, a, a yeah, an so order. and uh, they don't use the interactive biases of convolutional neural networks, and they have shown that uh, these architectures can work really well, basically with very few modifications from the original uh, transformer, which is very interesting.
1: Nice. And your first figure in the paper it shows you know quite a simple diagram, uh, and I guess the standard vision transformer has like the token embedding as you say, patchified image and a spatial encoder so it looks like the the innovation here was to add the temporal encoder or is there a little bit more to it than that
0: so uh the the reason we added the temporal and spatial encoder was to factorize input dimensions to to make uh, the computation basically uh, tractable by our hardware Mm -hmm. Uh, and the i think one of the innovations that we had and uh, which had a very important effect on performance is basically reversing the order of factorization because if you look into the video processing literature you will find uh, it's, it's very common to find um, like a f- factorization but it's always done in the reverse order mm. and uh, we go through into the paper about the reasons why that is so and why the reverse order is actually quite suitable for um, the type of uh, Machine learning problems that we solve with satellite uh, images, and mm. it has a it has a very big difference actually. That was the most important factor in the design and it's, it's very simple right, and
1: so that was a sort of a simple change that had a big impact on the training time and the training resources
0: yeah yeah, yeah, and uh, the performance mostly like that oh, the final performance was also uh, oh, sensitive. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. yeah well,
0: like um, with a special then temporal encoder, this framework wouldn't work at all
1: ah. That's nice, yeah. and I, I guess in the paper you apply it to crop classification, but I guess for other kinds of time series tasks, the same approach will will be suitable
0: It should be like it's a general purpose architecture um we also apply it in object classification with a few changes and it still performs very well, so yeah, I'm assuming like for uh, satellite data, it should work uh, really well I mean like um the temporal special factorization should wouldn't be ideal if you wanted to track objects. Um in successive images mm. uh, but for for problems like crop recognition uh, it has a lot of good uh, qualities.
1: Fantastic and I think in the paper you applied it to Sentinel to imagery which I guess is relatively low resolution. Um, does, does this approach, will it be suitable for very high resolution imagery as well?
0: Uh, it might be a bit tricky to um, uh, because of the complexity of the model uh so, so I'm not so sure, but there are there are papers which use vision transformers for natural uh, language, uh, sorry for natural images processing, which do very well for segmentation tasks as well. Mm. So, so so I imagine like with the right modifications, then yes, this this framework should work.
1: All right, and just to like lift the lift the hood on the the R and D process itself, like how much like effort is it to modify an architecture and create like the changes that you implemented
0: uh, well it it depends uh, really like um so initially i was i was working with transformers because i wanted to take advantage of uh, some properties that uh, you you find during self supervision uh, and i wanted to test basically some some basic architectures not to propose a new one with with this but um uh, I mean, d- during ablations, basically we found out an architecture that was very, very promising. And after that, it took uh, it took a good three or four months to to finalize the the architecture with all the hyperparameters. You know how to train it and, and everything.
1: Right, right. So there was a bit of a, I guess, a luck in finding
0: that really
1: well performing <laughs> solution.
0: Yeah, yeah. In in a, in a sense, then you then you have to understand why that is happening. Like um, th- there might be some cases where it's not explainable, but in this case, I think we, we found some some reasons why.
1: Fantastic! And um, the results that you achieve, they they seem to be significantly better than the benchmark uh, convolutional-based approaches. Do you think that this is going to have a big impact on downstream applications? You know, obviously, crop uh, classification. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it possible to, like, you know, talk a bit more about what the impact of this work will be?
0: Yeah. Um, so basically, if, if you look at the, the seats classification and segmentation literature, you will find that the, the models that are the best performers are not the ones the ones that were proposed for natural images. Which tells you something like uh, that the domain is actually quite different. So uh, I think like this problem is still bounded to some extent by you know by the search for better and better architectures. And th- this one actually is uh, makes uh, some strides forward. It mm. has a, a significant gap in performance. So I think it, it is towards the right direction. Uh, now for commercial applications of the of these uh, these models i think uh, there is still some uh, some performance gap that needs to be crossed to make mm. it very very reliable uh, but uh, when that will happen and um, i mean this this is a problem that will be solved in my opinion that's going to have a very significant uh, effects on people's lives basically mm. Mm. so so you 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 can think of land monitoring uh which uh, will be automated by this approach, and that is very like very significant because it can allow you to design the you know the whole food pro- production process and optimize it in Absolutely. Ways. yeah like for uh, um sustainability resilience or even uh, like optimization of uh, you know the quantities of food uh, produced mm. and um, like in like in developing countries there might be even more uh, important applications like the the capacity to to, to insure people who who were previously uninsurable because uh, um like um, monitoring for, for insurance can be very costly mm-hmm. in in those regions and if you can automate it by models uh, like this and uh, you know its cousins basically yeah uh, that that would have a huge cascade effects on people's
1: lives that's really exciting and, and really good to hear. Uh, you did make another point that I just want to pick up on. You mentioned that some of the architectures were better on natural vision data sets. I mean, the data the set itself presumably has a big impact, you know, for the pre-training on the end result. Um, and those natural image architectures would have been trained on, like, COCO or some other, like, standard image data sets. So in your case, did you, did you also do the same sort of pre-training on those standard data sets, or was there a
0: different approach? No, I mean, for, for this paper, we, st- we begin from a random initialization. We don't do any, any pre-training here. OK. It was, yeah, like the, the contribution was the, the architecture itself. Uh, now, pre-training in corporate cognition and remote sensing, I mean, it's an active topic of research mm. uh, on its own. It's clear that like, uh, the distribution of satellite images is very different from um, natural images, especially like, when you look at Sentinel-2. Mm. As you said, has it has a quite a low resolution. Mm. Um, however, like previous studies have shown, that image net initialization actually works. Uh, which I, I'm not sure we understand the reasons why this is so, because mm. you know, it's completely different objects in the two two domains. Absolutely. And
1: just so we can understand where you where you're from, you're a, a researcher at Imperial College, is that right? Yes, in the Department of Computing. Imperial Fantastic. And um, what kind of activities are, are people doing there that will be related to this uh, paper?
0: Uh, I mean, uh, this this is in collaboration with uh, with some collaborators from the Imperial College Business School, uh, mm. who are actually interested uh, a lot in uh, insurability, mm-hmm. uh, as, as I said before. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Um, like uh, like for this paper, I'm mostly uh, collaborated, co- of course, with my, my supervisor and uh, with economists, basically.
1: Right, that's really interesting. So, that, were they guiding the use case that you should design towards, or?
0: Yes, yes, like uh, guiding towards uh, towards the target. What we want to achieve is uh, we want to achieve good um, performing models for crop type recognition, uh, yield mm. predictions, and uh, similar problems. Fantastic.
1: Well, it's been really good to catch up and hear about uh, the details of the work. If people want to follow along uh, your your future publications, uh, where's the best place for them to do that?
0: Oh, you you, you can have a look at my, my GitHub, uh, basically, and my Google Scholar profile, and um, yeah, you can find my email and contact me for details. I'm very happy to respond.
1: Fantastic. I'll put that in the show notes. And once again, so much for thank uh, for joining me today.
0: Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you. Thank you.